iHeartRadio, Black Excellence. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to our third episode of our iHeart Black Excellence series. My name is Leah Abrahams, and today I am here with Jamar McNeil, Azalea Hart, and Dames Nellis, plus a special guest, mm. Nishi Me, the legend. Legendary. Very excited for that. Thank you so much for joining us. And today we're going to be talking about female Black representation within the media. Now, we've had some really good conversations prior with our other episodes where we're talking about Black representation, of course, in our space, in the industry. Um, But to zone in and be even more specific, Black female representation. And not only that, but to break break it even more down, Black female representation within our city within Toronto. Now, Toronto is supposed to be made up of so many cultures. It's actually the most multicultural city in the world. I did my research. It's indeed right. true. How it's fresh. I thought it was Queens, New York. No. <laughs> yeah, well, no. I'm glad you said that because I'm a native <laughs> of Queens. But Queens and Toronto are like, Yo, I would say yeah. one in the same, honestly. Like Queens, number one, Queens is just about the really? size of Toronto. It's mad big. But like yeah. makeup wise, they look identically the same in terms really? of ethnicity. Yeah, the yeah. only reason I say that is quick story. I was doing like a red carpet and there were some mm-hmm. dudes from like the Associated Press there. And he was saying he's from Queens and we just got on the diversity topic. And then he he said Queens is the most diverse place on the planet. And I said, no, 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 you're mistaken. No, it's not true. And so no, then no. I started sticking up for Toronto. So, so, but then so my, man, but my man pulled out a receipt and I had to eat it right before. I <laughs> What's right his receipt? Before, the receipt, this was going back like 2019, I think. So it might have changed since then, which is why I had to ask. But he pulled out the receipt and he showed me a stat. And I was like, nah, you're right. You're right. But I'm but I'm the bridge. I'm, a, I'm bridge. I'm from Queens, but I'm in Toronto. I'm telling you right now, they're, they're the like, they're the same. Same, the same. same. I'm telling you, they're, they're, they're the same, but we are a little bit more. And I have some stats to tell you. Yo, he's like, what did I walk into? Like, I know, we started the show like this. Yo, that's <laughs> my bad. I'll what take it. That is my, my intro. Leo was this going to like, what is this? The intro. Yes, the intro's still going. I just okay, want to back on track. Sorry. Okay, back on track. And But listen, I do want to give a stat. We have over 250 different cultures here. I don't know if Queens can say the same. That's Listen, all I'm saying. On my block, on my block alone, we had Puerto Ricans, <laughs> our Jamaican. Oh my asses. God. How many of the had? We had Southern Blacks. We had 251. <laughs> we had Guyanese. It was crazy. We had the Jews. We're here all day. It's crazy. <laughs> no, it's like, okay, fine, fine. But fine. my point is Toronto is extremely diverse. Yes. Um, and I don't know if we're seeing. We that, that no, I was gonna say we are. I'm totally done. Oh, you agree? That's great. That's great. <laughs> um, I not only that, but I I don't know if we're seeing that exact representation uh, off screen, on screen when it comes to the media industry. In my opinion, no, I don't think we do. Um, specifically when it comes to black female representation, um, but we do have great influences that are in the city right now. Of course, like Mishimi sitting right here with us, Julie Black. You know, mm-hmm. Tracy Melshore, Tracy Moore, mm-hmm. Keisha Shante, the list goes on. We have greats, but I think, you know, compared to our counterparts, our white counterparts, it's nothing compared, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's extremely, um, it's, a, it's a large discrepancy, I would say. And I don't know uh, why. There's reasons that we could get to, but I wanted to pose the question to you guys. Do you think that there's not enough Black female representation within our city? And- 
Do you have a reason why? Do you know why that might be? Posing it to you. I would love to start with Mishi and just yeah. you know talk about, you know, when we're talking about representation and the question that Leah posed, yeah. um, tell us about how hard it is to access those doors, those keys to get those keys. I mean, you are you're a pioneer. You know, you were one of the I'm first. not just female Toronto, just hip hop in general. So, so yeah, well, I think that's the great, great place to start. Like, tell us about how hard it is to get that access as a black female. It's absolutely hard because um, there's, you know, all the provinces, not everyone, hip hop didn't originally resonate with everyone at first. And it was very dilute here because the main place that hip hop was, was in Toronto. And because of that, we had to just focus on the cultures that were here, which is very West Indian, as you pointed out, just like Queens. And we didn't have access to a lot of West Indians weren't in the infrastructure. So there's no one that understood anything about our music more than the caravana and the things that were available mm. to understand our culture. So with that said, how does the infrastructure really reflect it? It's still now very hard to fly from one part of the country to the other part of the country. So then there's that, the demographics, we didn't know where people were, where the, the consumers of, you know, hip hop or dance hall or reggae, where the consumers were, there was no outlets in terms of places to perform. So how are you gonna go out there and perform? And then how's it gonna resonate with the listeners and all that good stuff. We didn't have a structure in terms of radio where you could play it in, in, in a city that, you know, had a lot of hip hop. We were still underground mixtapes. I was still selling mixtapes on the bus. I was, the people were passing around mixtapes. Everyone, the journey was, the adventure was to go to New York and bring back the hip hop here. So with that said, there was no infrastructure, right? And the infrastructure kind of came when um, the Junos made the category for rap. And we had um, all that in there. Uh, and prior to that, there was no category. We were still just finding our way in the music scene, period. So we were still trying to identify that. We were not disco. We were not going to go out of style. It's not a fad. Um, yes, there are Black people in Canada. Yes, there are, there's quote unquote ghettos or areas that, you know, reflect poverty and that we can speak about in the music. There are rec centers. There are, you know, there's shootings happening. There's, there's so much things to talk about, but yet they had they didn't believe us yet. So if we were trying to prove our way into the genre, how is the infrastructure here gonna help us? You know, we were still trying to find our own identity. So with that said, it was very hard. It's still hard. Um, now, you know, fast forward now, there's, you know, everyone that's lived through those experiences are just trying to come together and help the new generation because now it's worldwide in terms of internet and um, all the platforms that are out there. So it's hard to get the right people in the right positions that can identify who can actually help the demographics here in hip hop? You know, it's funny. We were speaking a few episodes ago how young and fresh hip hop is in comparison to other music genres and music forms. You know, when you were coming up in the game, I think one of the things you just said was essentially you were almost like fighting two or three fights, you know, being a female, <laughs> being from Canada, having, you know, Caribbean roots. Like, that's the difference, I think, between Toronto and a lot of other places where, you know, artists come up. It's like, we know who we are and we and we're we stick true to our roots. But like you're talking about like credibility and being able to go down to the New York scene and like hold your own in that regard. But when you fast forward, that was what, you know, 20 years, 30 years, we've seen some infrastructure build up a little bit. But now we're at a point where I think, and this goes even to what Leah was saying off the top, I feel like we're at a turning point in all things, not just in music or entertainment or media, mm -hmm. but in all things, because our generation, you know, Leah and I are the same age, Azalea is similar in age. 
we're looking at something that we've seen. Yeah, you just grandfathered me like, like what? Well, I know. Damn. I, like, well, we are the same way. Wait a second. No, no. <laughs> I'm joking. But you're, you're a little bit <laughs> <laughs> grandpa the hell out of me. From the same fabric. But what I'm it's trying to so say right? is, you know, this is going to be our first kick at the can as millennials getting the opportunity and getting those keys to those seats that have, you know, historically been narrow minded when it comes to hip hop and entertainment and, and diversity and that kind of thing. Right. So I really feel like at this point we're embarking on something that could be great, provided we're allowed the opportunity or earn those opportunities and not looked at the other way. You know, because there is diversity in the culture, and especially in Toronto, you know, we kicked off saying you got people from all walks of life. But the reality of it is, is they all know hip hop. And if you need any further proof, look what happened at this Sunday. The Super Bowl was massive. No one cares yeah. about the game at all. Only <laughs> people are talking about is that halftime show. Yeah. yeah. Things like that. We just have to get the people that actually identify whether young or old. I don't think it even has um, a generational. Generational issues only comes up with with the the history of it. In terms of what sounds good, what's good, we know music. We That's know music. Um, so I just think people that can identify with the music and the right people in the places of position just help, like yourself. All you that know, helps. I, I went to the flower store of the. Uh proverbial flower store mystery before we came in i want to give you the flowers right now for those who are tuning into the podcast and may not be um completely familiar with the history of a one mishy me you know from like the age of 14 i believe was the age right mishy when you, when you kind of got yes. started from the age of 14 you know mishy me linked up with you know if hip-hop is like a greco-roman um what do you call it like one of those those myths mishy me linked up with the gods of hip-hop Early. We're talking about boogie down productions. All right. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about like Scott LaRock. You're talking about KRS-One. These are the gods. Like, the, wow. you know what I'm saying? And then Mishy Me came on and was named a queen. Like Mishy Me is a queen of hip hop running around with Roxanne Shantae, Queen Latifah, Moni Love. These are the, the queens of this genre that is like the largest genre on earth. And you came up <laughs> in that royal palace of, of hip-hop and I, I just want to say number one thank you for who you are and what you are to this culture what you are to this city and and, and just what you are in general because I know it was hard it was crazy back then because <laughs> in the words of Biggie Smalls you never thought that hip-hop would take it this far I know when you were <laughs> handing out those mixtapes on the on the on the bus I mean, let me ask you did you think that hip-hop at some point would be on the on the big stage like Super Bowl or did you think that we'd be having a conversation like this someday what were your impressions about what was to come we really didn't we didn't know we just knew it was so underground we were a part of it it was new we just know we weren't going for the disco um school dances were so rock and roll we loved rock and roll because we, we couldn't get away from it and we loved it but we came from something else so we were trying to you know, how do you anti-school dances? We don't want to, we're still at school. We're still supporting each other. So our fun was on the bus. We would almost segregated the basketball um, courts giving out um, mixtapes. So it was, it was very hard, but we knew, we knew that the music wasn't going to go anywhere. How it was going to develop and all the different influences that were going to affect it. Um, we didn't know that. So just being a part of it, even my friends, we were really the hardcore artists that were just really, I mean, they taught me so much. When I went to New York, I learned so much from all those artists that you mentioned. And they really were receptive to me saying that, okay, I was from Canada. And without that, I wouldn't have been able to plant my foot 
so heavy in in um, America for Canada to even re-recognize and recognize me and what I could bring to the table. It was really the relationships that were built from just traveling. As many artists will tell you, eventually, whether they went back then or whether they go now, when you go there and you meet other artists, just that that chemistry that you look for, that, you know, between artists, whether you're working, whether you're doing a show, whether you're just networking and meeting, there's so much layers of publicists, um, stylists, um, makeup artists, there's so many layers now. Back then, we were a publicist, we were a stylist, we were the makeup artists. We didn't have layers of people to network with. So mm -hmm. when you measure, talk about those people, yeah, the artists were friends. The artists gravitated to artists. So, and then everyone blew up. And then when they did the business part of the music business came in, they blew up so, so much that they never forgot me. And that's the really cool thing. And Canada has allowed me to be able to live my genre on the front lines. So because of that, and they never forgot me, kind of went really good and it worked out well and we're still growing from it. So that Super Bowl halftime, <laughs> it all. that wrapped it up in a nutshell for me that was i think everyone went nuts we were all talking leah we were talking about how when we were even get approaching this topic about women and representation how you know when you're looking through the canadian roster it's actually a little challenging right like to, to find a long list of names um yeah. and we were wondering if we could just talk about you know what challenges do women have specifically um, if you could speak to, I don't know if there's any. Absolutely. Could, yeah. There's a there's a bunch for me too. I was a woman doing hip hop and an immigrant. Those were the three hardest mm -hmm. things. I was like, hey, I'm Canadian. Um, you know, I keep saying the same examples because those are the three barriers. So it's like, okay, once you accept I'm Canadian, it still wasn't Canadian enough. <laughs> you know, you're you're from somewhere. Else. Once I I could rap, they'd be like, okay, you could rap, but you're not American enough. Um, mm -hmm. And the only thing that that kept me. You know what you can't tell me I'm not don't tell me I'm not Jamaican enough <laughs> don't tell me I'm not African enough so these things added value to me my creativity so I didn't leave it and thank God because that is what's saving nurturing your talent and saving your money saves you so these little things are what if you keep your identity there's no one that can take it from you there was no industry that kind of put me out there industry um we the industry and artists we helped each other because we were new so there was no one that could say, there was no examples. Um, we knew of the Liberty Silvers. Come on, we gotta give props to Liberty Silver, Atlanta, Bridgewater. There was so many, the Glenn Lewis's. There's so many artists that were just grassroots messengers. There's so many, I mean, I, I can go on with the list, but we, there was nothing set up in order for them to be spread up across Canada, spread out, you know, advertised, marketed, any way, mm. anywhere you want to put to it. There was no marketing behind everything. We're still learning marketing. Thank God for social media because a lot of it's giving another life. I'm relaunching um, vinyl because vinyl has given um, not only hip hop, but urban genres, period, um, another life. Because before then, reggae really resonated in uh, vinyl, right? So yeah. a lot of things are changing and coming back. So I really do enjoy the journey. I love seeing the growth. I see things come and go and something stuck and some things didn't, you know, the MySpace, the dats, <laughs> the dats, like the things dats. came, things <laughs> left. Um, and, and now just seeing how different platforms grow like this, it's just, you know, any old <clears throat> artist can tell you the time that has been <clears throat> cut down, but yet there's so much, they've got new things that you got to consume your time with now. So the, the, the work ethics is still there. You still need to commit to your your niche, your genre, your work, you still have to commit. It doesn't become, I know a lot of it's easier now. You can just do this. And it's like, no, there's a lot more to do. So right. I think either way it comes down to the artist committing to their art and their creativity and building really cool teams around them and just finding your way. 
I have a question for you in regards to like uh, the industry, um, because when you first kind of got into the industry, there was no industry, as you've mentioned. It was just, you know, artists and people in the park and throwing lyrics together and nobody really knew what was going to happen. Then all of a yep. sudden it becomes a viable business to the music business and the record business. We see things like the Junos add the rap category. Now, I was very young at the time, but looking at it in retrospect now, it seems that around the cusp of the millennium, like 98, 99, 2000, 2001, there was actually uh, a pumped up infrastructure around hip hop here in Toronto. And the only reason I say that is from the outside looking in, but I remember acts like Shaw Claire. I remember acts like the Rascals. I remember acts like Cardi, obviously. And it almost seemed at that point, they had become as big as the Jay-Z's. And, you know, because they were being put on that stage, they were they were they had big videos that, you know, that kind of thing. Like and then all of a sudden I felt like it kind of went away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I wonder if you could kind of speak to that. Was there am I just totally off base or was there some sort of infrastructure injection into hip hop? And then they start looking at numbers and data and be like, ah, this isn't doing anything. And then, you know. No, we had, a, there was a lot. There was, as you mentioned that prior, and with that, there was the Jelly Stones, the ghetto concept down Correct. to earth. Like we had, we had a, a genre that spread from East to West. It was just, and then you know what? The mixtapes, the, the the cassette tapes got locked down. Um, record stores were going, Sam the Record Man went HMV. Um, there was such a transition. Clubs were, there, you know, there was clubs like Bamboo that were reopening and on the Lakeshore that had a, a history from, from Queen Street. So it was, the whole city was just changing. And I think with that, people were growing up, no one knew where, where the music was going to take it, but they knew that they were putting a lot of guns and, and hoes and strippers and all kind of um, mm -hmm. in it, right? And it, it would sell. It was not like, you know, I was all against it, but it was just like, you could see just a lot of things changing. Um, the digital world was changing, internet became a factor, um, downloading CDs became fainted. So there was so much in transition there in the um, the culture and the um, the fabric of the actual music business. So for Toronto, we were, we were very small, but yet big, small and consuming, but very um, um, small and yeah, in, in big and consuming, but small in, in infrastructure to reflect anything that we can do about it. So mm -hmm. when things were happening, they weren't just happening to Toronto, they were happening worldwide. So imagine poor little Toronto trying to, reestablish ourselves but still stay because Canadians we love music so much with or without structure we just keep going they, I mean there's less incentive specifically for the females specifically but tell a DJ here that's been DJing then to stop no you become an A&R you become thing you find a way to you know to do something there's just so much creativity now and so much work to do there's so much insight that you can help a lot of people are managing um just even directing pointing without paperwork like you can just help people in a way that there's enough now if you can get your stuff out there that you can compensate those that are around you that um help you um there's grants i know we don't want to get stuck on applying for just grants but they do assist i mean if you worked hard enough get your money back um you know what i mean there's ways that you can find and help yourself but it really comes down to the music because if the consumer doesn't like your music we can talk about infrastructure all day. It's still going to be a fan-based genre because I watched the industry kind of turn around and do what I say again, reggae dance has been doing. If you're not popular, if you don't have a single, if you don't have the music, they had no infrastructure. So if the songs don't get up, but yet now if you put the, the music on, when you see streams, you know, streams and this streams, it's in every territory. I'm most known in India and I'm most known in Italy. I'm most known, whatever, but you can't get out there. You can't mm -hmm. like, who is, you know what I mean? So there's this, this yin and yang of, pulling and tugging, but you can find a ways an artist to really 
get yourself out there and do other things. I like to see when artists turn um, entrepreneurs. I love it. It's the best thing about hip hop that you can find another way to synthesize yourself and just find another way and a reason why you're doing it while not so being so competitive and being so, you know, it's still a competitive uh, business, but you can find a way to kind of help without being so competitive. And that was the thing with women. As soon as one came out, they would, the labels would sign one similar to that one and put them up against mm -hmm. each other. And it became, so it was like, okay, so that's not even in our control. So mm -hmm. they act like female MCs weren't out there. They're not oh. trying. If you tell the story now, you're going to have documentaries of this female, this female. It was like, where were they hiding? There was no place to kind wow. of market them. And there wasn't enough marketing money. So we can that go on. That seems so crazy <laughs> to me. That seems so crazy to me. Because when you look at the audience of the average, you know, hip hop, like it's not to say that there aren't women that listen to hip hop, but it's like it's like a, a majority male audience for for years and years and years like i've always wondered why it seems that we can have 11 atlanta rappers rapping about the same thing but only one female right like we had most recently we had nikki and then we had cardi and but if you look at them and then we have meg now but if you look at them they're never really rolling at the same time it's like silo no. yeah. for you first okay your run is over Backward. It's, it's just who's, who's signing them. <laughs> like, I, I guess, <laughs> to me, to, you know, well, it's just such a strange topic. And I think that's where the conversation really needs to go now, because like we've been yeah. mostly a music based, you know, topic, given that we have a guest on the show, you know, Mishy, that's that's where she makes her bread and butter. That's what she does. But no. we have, you know, both Leah and Azalea who are trying to carve out their own lane in the media. Yeah, space. we need balance, though. We just need balance. I just think I just I just sort of put you. I'm just saying no, no, part no, of that reason is, is we do, need do this think, balance. Do you like, think the industry the, puts women up against each other? Like, does the all does the time, the, I mean, all the, time. the industry pits women against each other, especially in marketing? I think it's it's just like I don't know who gets off in a marketing room every time a female artist comes out and somebody signs another one. If they, and I get it because it can sell, but it's just not the only way to sell. Right. I mean, you know, that's why Lauren Hill is still untouchable. It's just like they're they're forgetting about the balance because a couple people that have the position that are have the marketing money to actually push behind it. That's what they like. They gravitate to what's selling and you can't wrong that. There just should be a balance. And there's just so much investors now in music in the genre. I just mm -hmm. think that more balances are coming out because when you go to other demographics like Africa, you see different different people gravitate to different stuff. And it's still the old school 90s vibe. It's just mm -hmm. anywhere because you could I could just rap anywhere, even though they're aware of everything that's being all the hot stuff, the Megan's, the Shensi, the buggery. Yeah, yeah. When you yeah. still just go somewhere and rap, they still appreciate it. So yeah. that was marketed a little bit more, but it's it's coming because there's so much independent marketers, but people want money. This is music business. People want money. It's a business. So the ass and the tits and the good look and the, is is selling. You can't deny it. I mean, there's a market. For it, right? how, how much so, pressure how much pressure was there um to to, to get into that because not that, that's not really your vibe but like how much no. pressure how much pressure is there like realistically on, on a day-to-day -day basis when when you see the ass and tits like selling is there is there a, is there a real pressure or is it in your head it's in your head because i really do think the women know what they want i mean oh. even if you could you could get as many likes as you want and all the whatever whatever can that translate to packing a show like even mm. if the artists that do it if they if they can pack a show, you can't knock it. If they're not, mm. you know, I just look for the day when when though when it adds up, like you know, the, the majority that are getting the attention, well, then you can you can do that. You're not opening for nobody or you're not whatever, but or do it together, balance it. If it's not individually that person bringing that the way it seems and balance it a bit, put mm. some other women in there because it doesn't hurt. 
It doesn't hurt. It just gives younger audiences, older audiences, to show that there's balance. You have older yeah. people hating hip hop. Why would they hate hip hop? <laughs> hip hop is yeah. a beautiful thing. It is. It helps so many people grow. It heals. We put it in, you know, commercials. We sell cars. Look, you man, know, Super so Bowl. Would... Let's just be honest. It's Super Bowl. Like, let's be honest Super for Bowl. a second. You know, like, let's but, but be I, I don't know what the I don't know what internet you're on, though, Dames. But but like, we're celebrating the Super Bowl. But Azalea and Lee, I don't know if you guys have seen, but on the internet, there's a lot of people complaining about the Super Bowl performance. There are a lot of people. You see, no okay. <laughs> there are a lot of people who are complaining and saying that oh. The, the NFL is do going too far to placate the black people. What? That was the, this. What, why did that was That's not a great factor. performance? I'm seeing those conversations. You yeah. really like all I, I, I'm be honest. Trolls. I'm on the internet and I'm looking at some stuff and I'm like, wow, I never thought so and so would be giving it up like that. Like, yeah, no, there, there are a lot of people who are also not. I mean, you know, just go to like Texas Twitter, you know, they might yeah, not really, that, they might that. want Garth yeah. Brooks back, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they don't, right? they don't want it to happen again, but that's the balance. Yeah, that's, right. Probably, that's not the majority. That's not the takeaway of of the NFL or of the Super Bowl performance. I think mostly, I think most people are just like appreciative that we're all we're here now, that we're mm -hmm. being able to celebrate hip hop on a main stage where probably like twenty years ago this would be unheard of. There's right. no but way. I think it's twenty years too Absolutely. late. Like. Them I agree dudes, with you. Them dudes could have been on stage years ago, like all of yeah, them. Yeah, should have been. Yeah. Even 30 years ago when they were, you know, around, when they were popular. Well, let's um, be honest for a second here, because I know they were throwing around like that was the first time hip hop had had representation on the Super Bowl stage. And I kind of like agree and disagree with that. You know what I mean? Like we saw but not as not as an not as in like a feature act. You know what I'm saying? Like not. Yeah. Not but as... I mean, like, where do we chalk Beyonce up in the spectrum? Like, is she a, is she an R&B artist? Is she a pop artist? Is she, like, well, I would be no, like this was but this was specifically rap. Yeah, I... specifically but also the reason altogether. it was. But you got to keep in mind it was in L.A. too. If that was in Miami this year, who's doing the halftime show? Like, is it that or is it somebody else? You know what I mean? Anyhow, we're like totally off on a different tangent. It, it was cool. But to be honest with you, it kind of it kind of aligns with what we were discussing the last go round in regards to marketing and advertising. Because, Misha, you just said, like, who's marketing? Who's So we could talk all we want about, like, the artists doing the infrastructure thing. Do we have venues to go play at? How do we find audience, gain market share, yada, yada, yada. But at the reality of it is, if there's nobody putting up any money to market the product or market you as a person, whether that be in music, whether that be, uh, you know, as a personality or talent or a host or whatever, then we have the issue that we need to address, which nobody wants to address. Right. Because ultimately, like you said, it's all about the money. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's all about the money and marketing yeah, and advertising drives dollars, you know, so it like. Should we be looking elsewhere? Like, do we need do we need seats over there as well as over here? Or like, how how can we get around some of those uh, those barriers in order to break down some of these these walls? Looking forward into the future, like, it's good music, good music because the kids in the hood or the certain places in the Caribbean that have hit songs or have that don't have anything. So that just comes to tell you, like, we can talk about marketing all you want, but not all you want, but. It's, it's it's all we want because we need marketing and put it on the on the big scale but there are some people that are doing numbers that have nothing so i just think that that's been proven so many times that it, you just got to put out good music if you put out good music um people put out music for different reasons some people put out music the music that gets the marketing is the competitive market so that's a whole other level so there's levels to this mm. so with the levels to this now mm. if you're playing the marketing game 
um, that's a whole other level. If you're paying, I'm an artist, I'm from my community. I just want to support the community. Hey, come out on this Friday. We do an open showcase so we can find the next big act for that marketing to lock onto. I mean, I think everything has a place and the little marketing money, those little showcases that we do all by ourselves, that is still marketing and that is still an asset just as somebody putting 10K behind Spotify. I don't even want to say because you need to market. You have to have that money if you want to play that game on that level. So I just like when we celebrate artists, we have to celebrate the people that believe in them, that Mm. gave them the money to things, not just the artists. There's a team of people working behind them. So, you know, you just got to fight till you get picked up, acknowledged by someone who can help you with the marketing. You got to you can apply. Don't wait. Just keep moving. But it comes down to having a good song, having your audience, knowing your audience and knowing who you are. Because after marketing comes to you, you could freeze up on a pop 107 freestyle. I'm sorry, do you see these? Do you see yeah, no, no. You could you could mess up on a freestyle and be like, you're the hottest in Canada, go down there and freeze. Yeah. There's your marketing. It's that and then it's the marketing. culture. It's harder now. Yeah. And yeah. you know, the funny thing about it too is like sometimes you get into it like you can go in, you can write the hot record. It's not necessarily you, but you're being marketed a certain way. And now you have to live up to that expectation. Absolutely. You know exactly. what I mean? Like I, when, when I think about that, I think about like Lady Gaga or like early days of Nicki Minaj, where she was, mm-hmm. she looked like a totally different act. Like she was like a pop. Remember she used to have the, the 100%. 100%. You know what I mean? I mean like, but, totally. but after, after her star it. got bright, She's like, no, no, no. That's not who I that am. You're going to get these bars <laughs> the now. Yo. Yo, yeah. you know what's another good example of that um, in the pop world? Pink. Pink yeah. came out. Oh, like, yeah, yo, bro. when Pink oh, came yeah. out, look, yeah. guys, when Pink came out, Pink was supposed to be like the TLC for white girls. And yeah. no, they, I thought they, she wanted to be that, but they were trying to make her like the no, new Christina Aguilera. And that's they were not. Like, nah, she did, she's like, this is not who I am. Yeah. And she, yeah. she like took the offering. Is that crazy? She took yeah. an offering. She took an off frame and was like, I'm gonna do me. And you know, mm-hmm. she marked she well, look at the longevity though, right? Look at the longevity, right? Like, not to yeah. throw shade on any of the other acts from around that time, the Britneys or the, you know, but like Pink is like Miss, she was saying yeah. she was able to be her true self, carve out her audience and cater to mm-hmm. her audience in order to sustain longevity in the game. And that's what goes back to what we were talking about, you know, earlier in some other podcasts in regards to the genre and how young and fresh the genre is, right? Like yeah. we're only really seeing original acts great uh gracefully age in the business. Like when you see Jay-Z mm-hmm. do a deal with the NFL and then two years later he's got Dr. Dre on stage, like those are original <laughs> pioneers. Yo, like this is our first chance. I, yeah. really I kid you not. When I was a kid, I remember a moment where I was thinking, what are these guys going to be like when they become grown men? I remember thinking, like, (laughs) listening to music. And I I, I literally had the thought. I was like, this is dope and all. But what are these guys going to do when they're grown men? And I I can't wait to see that. And now I'm seeing it. But I love that, though, because. Yeah, the evolution. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like hip hop. Hip hop is a combat sport. You know what I'm saying? Where it's it's literally kill or be killed, you know, like when you look at acts like Kendrick, right? We see Kendrick. Kendrick's been dormant and quiet for years, but you're waiting for Kendrick because he's produced at such a high clip before. Not everybody is afforded that luxury, right? Like you come out, you got a smash record or a good, look at Roddy Rich right now. They're they're like ready to cancel Roddy Rich after having like the biggest records of 2020. And it's like, that's that's the sport you're in, right? But to be able to see, you know, a LL Cool J go for three, closing in on four decades, get into the rock and roll hall of fame watch jay-z do the big like jay-z was boss this weekend 
Like in all seriousness, it could have been him on stage because he's the guy who's got the deal. But he's yeah. like, nah, we in L.A. You know yeah. what? Let's yeah. do it. Let's do Dre Day. Let's, you know, like just big moves and big business. But I love to see it because like similar to when Barack became the president, it's like sometimes you need to know you can or you need to see something in order for you to be like, all right, you know what? I can do that. It's tangible. Yeah. You need right? to trust his insight as a hip hop artist yeah. to work with it. And that's the part of it. Sometimes they don't trust the female hip hop artists mm. insight into marketing some of those things. And that's what we have to change. Like I mm -hmm. love MC Light. She was the voiceover. I'm sure she could have some just as much insight. Do you know what I mean? But there's so much. Yeah. Thing. And I'm only saying that when we bring it to bring it back to structure and the woman problem, yes. we live the same dream. We're there with whatever. Some have sold more than whatever. The brat went platinum. What? Some of the insight that the women have to offer, just off, just it goes with the program too. It's not going to go up against the gram. We're not just going to go out there and have only women festivals if you hire us. Do you know what I mean? And I say that because I talk to a lot of the mature women in the business and everybody has have tried at some point to help add that insight. So I think we're getting to that level now where Jay-Z proved it, that you know our insight is important. And um, just as that golden era kind of hip hop alumni, it is important. And I just think mm -hmm. that now when that balances out and that's what Canada is going to have to ha gonna going to not have to. That's what Canada is going to offer. I do think a lot of the women here, too, really do consume a lot of hip hop and are more on the administrative side more yeah. and know more about behind the scenes and might whatever that they don't all have to be artists now because you have women that are representing that just didn't all rap. As in the U.S., when you have the women that the Shantae gets the shows, the Heather B's get the shows, they're usually coming from a rap, the like it, the voice or from a rap thing. You have women here that do not rap, and they have such insight in mm. terms of music business. Um, so it's just it's just aligning what we see America doing with some of we have we have here. Because to me, it's like there's two other women there, and to me, that's cool. That's why it's that's why yeah. to me. You know what I mean? So more of this, because we do, we do it here in Canada all the time. We do it here. So, and I, and you fellas let us do it. So I really appreciate the support that we get here. I mean, if we had 10 Drakes and his money, we may have more, you know, over here swinging that bat like here, but he's part of an instructor too. He's got to do, he can't do it all for him. <laughs> Everybody mm -hmm. want Drake to fix Canada. Do you know what talk. I mean? So real it's just talk. like, it's, if everyone's got to do their part, but I do love that Canada gives the women some, some, some you know, helps us have, get yeah. out there and, and and give that insight. And I really respect that. So we're just going to see that, how that matures. It's so, I, I love that you talked about insight. <laughs> you know, th that's actually been another theme that we've been talking about in this podcast. The fact that if you don't have certain people in the room, you're not going to get those perspectives to get, mm -hmm. you know, to, 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 to guide that ship and be like, ooh, don't do that, but do this. Do this, but don't do that. This is a better decision. This is a better look. Mm. We need the Michimis. We, well, I mean, they, they're just good, but you can't Google experience. You can't you know Google experience. We and, need and there's the no Mishy app for help. Like you can't. <laughs> we need Mishy Me's in boardrooms. Because we, you, we need Mishy Me's in boardrooms because you've, all, you've done soul mixtapes. You've been on stages. You know what I'm saying? You've gone through the and whole. I've been in a room with a lot of other women that yeah. were right there with me going like this. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So if you don't have me in the room, like, but no, I remember then whatever. So when they see me talking, like, oh, Michigan, when I get the love under comments, you know that is a lot of that is because a lot of women with me. Mm. It's it's not just, okay, go Misha the rapper. I don't have top, I'm not on the charts. I'm not mm. on the, let us level up and tell you. It's not about that. It's the experience and the people that they're like, just go. 
just you know it's, it's, it's <laughs> that support and, and the reason yeah. I keep wanting to show even the, the older god men my age and older I was like yo you guys been rapping don't give up now there's nobody we're the same age if Jay-Z's doing that why we, I'm not quitting because the, my peers that started with me in the America they're not quitting they're just finding places to wet the feet plus they got the budget to open up doors for other peers yeah. that are doing stuff we don't have important. the peer system here that's like important. if I had the bag, I'm gonna add blah 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 blah. Poor maestro to be over there helping and me over here helping and you know, currently over there helping and whatever, doing what we can. So it's just it's just the balance out. But we're all maturing and you guys are doing an awesome job. And I learned from well, the millennials. I learned from you guys. If it wasn't for that experience and having the platforms, like you're my Google, you know what I mean? So yeah. I, I I learned. But I from think that's I think that's inside. important, right? Like that that is important. Sometimes just as just as we've discussed in the past about having people from different ethnic makeups and backgrounds in the boardroom, you also need to have different ages in the boardroom too, because things so. don't work <laughs> the way they worked 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, I think some, some places and some companies, for instance, like I know Cardi's over there doing some A&R work and he's on with Universal as a VP and he's got a big role over there. And that is what you need. You need people who have run the gamut. You need people who have toured the country in a minivan and then gone on to tour the, you know, the continent in a tour bus to give you the ins and outs and give the new artists the game. Here's how you do this. Here's how we can get the radio. Here's how he, you know, but now speaking it just of radio, they're really ready. <laughs> yeah. But now speaking of radio, you know, we're, we're doing an iHeartRadio podcast right now. Of course, everybody can stream over there on that. We all work in radio. We work as members of media in radio in in a different uh genre of radio let's put it that way right um this past week we we saw we saw the landscape for hip-hop and r&b in the city change yet again um it almost feels like even though there is uh still a signal to where you can hear hip-hop and r&b there's a bunch of red tape around that particular signal in terms of growth because it'll get in the way of other signals so it feels marginalized once again right when you look at uh, the overall impact of, of just terrestrial radio, what it means for music, not even just hip hop, but music in general, and where we are in a city like Toronto to not have a hip hop and R&B outlet once again, how does it make you feel like I feel like you might have seen this you're on their third lap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, right. So, like, first off, how does it make you feel? And second off, what can we do? as members of media to kind of like big up that voice a little bit. Wow. In terms of what you could do is just, you know, you could do whatever you can within your thing. I think sometimes it's, it's what you do once you leave there too. And it's, and it's, and it's the insight that you give others that are trying to maneuver in mm. it all. And yeah, I seen it coming going. I was on the advisory board, even from denim jobs, just the milestone slave. Don't be your slave. The second up. song played after Bob Marley's One Love on that dial, it was part of ah, Mr. Fitzroy Gordon when he started mm -hmm. there too. I actually, before he passed, he had suggested to be on the Sunday show, the grapevine, like, like these things, but I wasn't ready. <laughs> so right. there's, I mean, there's people that have reached out throughout the time and know the journey that have helped, that help people find their way. I think just helping the young artists, telling them the truth, not everybody, not just hooking up friends, um, not just hooking up, you know, we, we have this discussion of, of, with like artists in general about, you know, who's doing what and who's doing what. I'm calling them on their bluff um, in terms of we want to see artists perform um, instead of a picture. I want to see performances. There's so much stuff there that'll give that'll kind of help the agencies 
see that there's artists there that can actually perform and how do we, why don't we invest in a little a little tour, a little Mary Kay tour here, a little Mac tour here, a little, you know, just whatever has mm-hmm, to happen. Mm-hmm, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be on the big scale of what what America has done. I mean, we had Live Nation do the tours with the chocolate and classified. And so we see it made a little something and it made noise. If we can't leave it from, if we can't leave the club scene and we have a smaller club scene, a venue, just support that. We may not be able to get it on the, the mass level because our infrastructure is still different. And a lot of it's the mom pause now with COVID, things shutting down and open. We have to see which which club survived. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then kind of starting this again. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just for the sponsors that can because when the American acts come here, money goes. So I'm just saying that I just think that there can be a little little pocket of sponsorship. And that comes from the people that love hip hop, that we're we're in that room working at some of these companies and hiring people that can add some little hip hop urban mm-hmm. insight to your to your marketing plan over there at you know add a little funk i seen graffiti come leave and come back it was a bad thing good thing bad thing good thing right, bad thing right, good right. Thing. damn get off <laughs> <laughs> like a seesaw what a pro- that's a crazy <laughs> perspective yeah, 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 right. no I'm she's like, right though graffiti's like a seesaw it's like over here on this building and then hire what? the artist to do it on the other building. You know what and I mean? Banksy like, selling, <laughs> then Banksy selling paintings for like millions, right? Yeah. It was crazy. No, people died on tracks. <laughs> I'm telling you, committed. Like I'm just Fall, seeing. It's falling just seeing, off of, of uh, billboards and whatnot. Yeah. It was just like, just seeing that alone. I think that is one of the funniest things for me to see graffiti. Good guy, bad guy, good guy, bad guy. Um, so that's my my joke of how hip hop has grown. Is just watch graffiti. Watch what we do to graffiti next. <laughs> that's the future. So true. going down. Mishi, I just wanted to say, I just wanted to say something that you said earlier. I just wanted to give it up. Uh, appreciation that you know through this industry, you were able to be your genuine self. And the reason why I say that is because it seems like when it comes to black females within this industry specifically. It seems like sometimes we're put into a box um, oh. of stereotypes of, you know, like <laughs> specifically, you know, yep. we're seen as aggressive, abrasive, sexualized. And the fact that you were able okay. to continuously be you <laughs> and like authentically you, I think is rare. They and let me no choice. To be like appreciated and, 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 and exposed Canada. and spoken about because that's tough. And then to, to actually make it through being your true self. Like you mentioned Thank Lauren you Hill, she's a great example, but there's not many. It's quite rare to see that, to see the authentic true self of a Black woman come up as themselves. So yeah, I just want to say, I, I give it up to you for that. Thank you. Thank you for that and recognizing that because it's not easy. I mean, you yeah. have teams that come, you have money that comes to you, you have men that come to you and they, there's mm-hmm. so much things offered to wait to make it and yeah. they don't even know. So yeah. all I had to do was fight. I seen, and the good thing about it is that Canada brought me there before. If I didn't do it so early and at a young age, I wasn't there before and had a team with me that helped me and fought with me, even when it taught me how to fight for myself. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I don't even want to be that. I'm not putting on a panty. Take up, move the picture. You know what I mean? No. Like, I just had to like, find my own little way. Like, consider me yeah. funny. I'll be the class clown, but we can't do it. The candy, whatever. And yet, I'm on the beach like this in Jamaica. Like, woo! See a panty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a time and place for the panty. There's a different yeah. time and a different place yeah, for the exactly. Time yeah. and place and everything. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it was just like, okay, we, women, we had to learn and mature in the business with, with the help of someone, with the help of men. The men were running it. Um, still yeah. are to some. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. so in, in terms of c- cutting those checks, so when the checks go 
you know, you got to follow the money. <laughs> I get so that. You, you, it's so hard tough. to be yourself. So thank you for recognizing that. No, I appreciate it. And I it helps, no more. helps women like us, Mishi, like just being in the industry, like knowing that we're not a monolith, that we can each carve out our own paths and be ourselves, authentically yeah, yeah. ourselves. And, and it can work. Seeing the example that you've given us is like, it's thank great. You. It's a great representative for us. Thank you. I love our Canadian women, man. We have so, so much to offer the world. Yes. We have so much to offer the world. And when we rep for Canada, we rep for our country. Like, yeah, I'll we be really honest do. with you. We're like those raptors. When they say that about the raptors, we I do well. say that. Anything from around here in these parts, we rep for the yeah. whole country. It's so true. Yeah. Oh, I'll be honest so. with you. Wherever I go in the world, it's always a point of like the Toronto woman. You know, you go to this place and you just no, they people love, love Toronto them. women, I, you know, Canadian women. I know you say Canadian, but in particular, Toronto women and, and, and people love it. And going back to Leah's point and just the authenticity of it, like, you know, mm-hmm. I love the fact that a, that a Persian girl can walk up the street and be like, yo, walk on to her Jamaican friend. Like that walk of life is 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 truly unique to maybe Toronto and Queens. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> you imagine I'm fight you for like, like, what are you doing with all those white guys? Mishy Ragged Death, what are you doing with them? Yeah. Like, those are my friends, are your friends. Are yeah. No, but yeah. I think that's truly fantastic. And I think, you know, as far as diversity goes, and we're, you know, we're in a crazy time, man. 2022, we're looking at convoys, we're, you know, we're looking at a whole bunch of stuff, but through all of it, it almost feels like the city, the country is is losing a bit of that identity. And, and, and it's turning into something that I don't personally know or recognize. And I'm just mm. fearful of that. So mm. what I'm saying is like, we need more people who have voices to be uh, vocal about our walk of life. Going back to, you know, Canadian girls, Toronto, women, like, you guys are on the radio. You guys use that, you know, Azalea, Jamar, you guys are talking, you know, about your culture and whatever on, on do that. Leah's representing a different perspective on her show do that like we can't lose those voices because it's divisive times right now yeah. and it mm. feels like a step backwards so we need everybody on those front lines most including you know women like yourselves who have voices and who represent minorities to just be like hey nah this isn't always what it is like we love each other no matter who you are because that i think is the true identity to people that's so canadian yeah yeah it's so canadian that's so true and i love that I love I love it too. Anywhere you travel everywhere, just say I'm from Canada. Yeah. I always start a Canadian party everywhere I go, every bar in Jamaica. Good. Every- Good. <laughs> yeah, link up. Mm-hmm. I love it. So okay. I love that. And <laughs> honestly, Danes, that was such a great way to conclude this amazing discussion. Um, I think we got into a lot. And I think, you know, we gave you know, the dues where it was due to, to me. She was so awesome. Thank so you glad that you're here. I, I, I just want to, before we wrap up, let of everybody course. know that Mishy just dropped her album, oh, Bad hey, Gals Revenge. Hey, hey. Bad Gals Revenge is a mind thing. And if you didn't know, Mishy, I want to also publicly thank you for allowing me to be your tour DJ. Mishy's taking yeah, me, me, me and Mishy. Have, always shows up. Thank you, Yo, Jamar. We've oh, gone to, we've gone to Jamaica. Minute, oh. 
Man, what? our thing here in Toronto. Oh, Yo, it is just wonderful to to play for you and play with you. And, and look at Leah. Leah trying to get a little lesson or two on the turntable. Is, sure, sure <laughs> we got you, Jay. Yo, Miss you, big up yourself. Since I reached Thank Canada, you. you show me so much love. Yeah, man. Big up, Thank big you. up, love and respect. Yes. It's Thank honor. you. Check out Mishimi.ca. There it is. I want to be your slave on vinyl, so I've got some 21-year-old vinyl I'm reselling. So nice. check out me.ca. And thank nice. you all for having my back and supporting me and having me up here and making some relevance of me again. So thank yeah. you. Oh, stop it. Missy <laughs> me. I know. Get out of here, relevant. <laughs> You're a legend. Oh, Canada. I love us. I love Canada. I love what you guys are doing. Big up my heart. Oh, <laughs> yes. And everybody, don't forget to uh, subscribe to iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts to listen to even more. And we're going to have another discussion, discussion next week similar to this. Thank you for listening. <laughs>